Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. We don't need to hustle to prove what God says is already true. That was said by my guest today, who is none other than Rebecca Lyons, who has been an inspiration and I guess you could say a hero to me over the years in in my life. So it was a really a massive honor to get to speak to her uh, and share her incredible story with you, her advice as well. Uh, but for those of you that don't know who Rebecca is, she is an international or national recognized speaker. She's a host of Rhythms for Life podcast, and she's a best-selling author of Rhythms of Renewal, You Are Free, and A Free Fall to Fly. She's an old soul with a contemporary, honest voice. I myself am an, I'd like to say that I'm an old soul too, uh, and try to have an honest voice at the same time. Uh, Rebecca reveals her own battles to com- to overcome anxiety and depression, and she invites others to discover and boldly pursue their God-given purpose. Alongside her husband, Gabe, Rebecca finds joy in raising four children, two of whom have Down syndrome. She wears her heart on her sleeve all the time, and she's a benefit to friends and readers alike. Her work has been featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, Fox News, Publishers Weekly, among many, many others. And she has a brand new book that has been released, so you can go and get a copy of it right now. It's called A Surrendered Yes, 52 Devotions to Let Go and Live Free. Even when circumstances feel wildly out of your control, you can make the decision each day to say yes to who God says you are in Him. Rebecca draws on biblical truths and her personal story to inspire you to find freedom from the approval of others, use your time and energy to live a life of intention, practice rhythms of for emotion, sorry, physical and spiritual health, release control to find God's presence in play and laughter and experience the truth that God is enough. And I've read uh, all the devotions now and what I have to say is they are all very, very needful in, in today's society. So go and get a copy 
of her new book. Uh, it's called A Surrendered Yes, 52 Devotions to Let Go and Live Free. How many of you can say, Jay, I have struggled with actually letting go and even saying yes in the first place to uh, what comes my way in life or really just surrendering to God in the first place. So I know this is going to be an encouragement and a help to so many of you. All the links for everything that you need are in the show notes below. And before you go, my friends, don't forget to leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Really do appreciate each and every one of you once again. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to surrender our yeses and journey with me into this story box today as we listen, learn and grow from the incredible wisdom, the advice and the story of none other than my personal hero and now new friend, Rebecca Lyons. Thank you. It's my joy to be with you. I love these conversations. We were just saying a moment ago that we're both kind of old souls, even though I'm younger than you are. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I love I love uh, diving deep into the core and the heart of who people really are. And thank you so much for, for being here today. The very first question I have for you is a question I normally ask all my guests at the very start, which is, what does success look like for you? Oh, wow. Um, success would look like that I trusted God for big things and I was willing to be patient and wait on him and not try to make them happen myself. <laughs> That's my latest. Mm. When, Do you want when, me to put on AirPods? I know this is probably not great to ask you right now. Is this okay? The sound is great. Uh, okay. so it, it's, it's up to you, but, um, we'll, we'll run with, we'll run with this sound. <laughs> it's all great. All right. But I like that definition, uh, the aspect of patience. Why do you think some people actually struggle with patience in the first place? I think, um, patience is actually the thing that takes us away from God, right? It's just like, we trust him. We begin in our vocation and he's planted like a seed of faith in our hearts and he's given us promises. And so we hear that and maybe somebody gives us a prophetic word and we're just all in and we're just like, okay, God, it's time. And he's like, what if I want you to kind of meditate on that for a season? I think about like when he told Mary that she was going to conceive his son, um, that she pondered those things in her heart. And I found, I find the temptation is that we, we don't want to be quiet or be still with that pr prophecy or that kind of truth thing that the Lord is giving us. We kind of want to tell people, or we want to just make it happen. Now that's been my journey. And I feel like I had to come back to God and go, God, I want to be trustworthy of your, your, um, revelation. And not only trustworthy, I want to hold it in a way that helps me know when it's time to like live into that or see that manifest. But also, um, cause that's when God's really just saying, are you ready? You know, think about how he anoints people, but then they kind of go back to the, you know, tending sheep. Right. And he's just like, this is a season for maturity. This is not a season for acceleration. And I think sometimes we get a word from God or we get some favor from God and we're like up and to the right and we get ahead of God. And we also make that the thing that he's destined us for become like a mini God. Like it's taken our focus off of him and his timeline and his discipleship and his maturity and pruning. Um, and it's made that the thing instead of him, the thing. And so I think he hold. I think he calls us to things and he holds them off for a reason because we, um, he's not the prize. Mm. It's the outcome. That's the prize. And, and part of the surrendered yes for me is trust God for the anointing, trust God for the words or the, or the, the playbook 
and then surrender the outcome. Mm-hmm. When we get fixated on the outcome, we lose the communion, which is really all that God's after in the first place. He's like, yeah, we can do stuff together. Like, that's fine, but I don't really need you to save the world. So this is more because I just like you a lot and I want to hang out every day and I want you to be, I just want us to be that intimate. And so that's what I'm after in the journey. If if you're in, then great. <laughs> so I think it's, it's really about um, showing us where our idols are and where our motives are, and then coming back to going, God, this is yours. Everything is yours. And I know you hold all things together. So don't let me get outside of that, Lord. It's so distracting. Yeah. I found the same thing in in my life. And I've, I've actually wrestled with surrendering to the will of God, to what God has in store for my life. And I'm interested in, so what if you're in a season of your life at the moment and God isn't answering anything you're you're saying, how do you surrender to that? Well, I just think we come back to God's heart and we go, God, is there something I'm missing? Is there like a blind spot? You know, it doesn't mean that it needs repentance, but I think sometimes if God gets a little silent over a season of time, Mm -hmm. there might be something that we're blind to that we need to ask the spirit to reveal. And so if it become, if like examining the heart can be more of a daily cadence and not an annual thing, that would probably be good. When you think about David, he's God's bestie. And he says, search me, oh God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, see what's wicked and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, he was a man after God's own heart. And the reason they were so intimate is because David was always saying to God, show me what I'm missing, Mm -hmm. please. Like, don't let me get out over my skis here. And that I think is something that the church doesn't do enough. We have big plans for God. (laughs) And we're like, wait a minute. I think we got this backwards. It's not us having big plans for how we're going to serve God. It's us enjoying the daily small acts with God. And so if we say God's not giving us what we want, maybe it's because what God wants and what we want are two different things. We want outcome. He wants intimacy. That's what he wants. He wants us to know that our purpose is to be loved by him first, period, the end with a punctuation, like exclamation point, because it's that perfect love that casts out fear and anxiety is just our fancy word for fear. It's our way of going like what I want isn't happening. What's wrong, God? And he's going, well, if you come to know the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of my love for you, you'd experience the power of God in its fullness. You're getting the cart before the horse. You want power and anointing, but you don't want love. Mm-hmm. So man, that'll preach to my soul. Right. When I'm like, Oh, this is how we're going to do this Lord. And he's like, do you really want my love? Do yeah. you care about that? So, yeah. I like, <laughs> how you, I like how you said, uh, what we want is sometimes different to what God wants. And what I like saying to people is even though we want something to happen, it may not be what we need to happen. And I, I've always said to people that, uh, we are exactly where God needs us to be in order for him to show up big in our life. Eventually we've just got to, I guess what you're talking about is surrender to him and his will, which is not an easy thing to do. If I'm being honest, <laughs> not ever, uh, never easy. That's why no. it's so costly. And that's why it's so anointed is because mm. it's not easy. How did you, how did you discover this surrendered yes in the first place what was it was there a story behind you just coming to this realization yeah i've had three big yeses in my uh, adult life you know first was kate's birth at 26 traumatic birthday my entree to motherhood my very first born 
Um, failure to thrive, emergency C-section, stopped growing the last trimester. He was four and a half pounds full term. I had to go straight to NICU at two epidurals because we had to rush getting him out so quickly that I had a high block. I couldn't speak. I felt like I was dying on the table. And, um, six hours later, I'm still, I couldn't walk for a couple of days. I just, I hadn't held him. I hear we see signs of down syndrome in your baby. So it, all of this happens in a 24 hour period. It was the most traumatic and life-giving day of my life because the trauma, that pain is what God used to catalyze life, a trajectory shift. And I remember six days later, getting that confirmation that he did indeed have down syndrome and like crashing in grief and lament on the floor. And just saying, God, I have no idea what's next now. It's like, not that I did anyways, but this was very clearly Kim going, we are taking a left turn, hold on for the ride. Mm-hmm. And, um, everything, everything changed. I remember months after that telling my friend, I keep praying for Cade to be whole. And she said, what if your version of whole and God's version of whole look different? Kind of like the same thing we just said. It's like, God's going, Hey, if we go back to the Beatitudes, um, it's everything is opposite. Everything is opposite of what the world says is valuable. Everything. And so what Kate did as a catalyst in our home and family was that the things we used to overlook that were not that important became front and center. And the things that we used to hold dear took the back burner. He shifted our gaze back to a kingdom mindset versus a fleshly worldly mindset, which is the American dream and security and everything figured out and you having it all mapped out. And while I said I would have never asked for it, I would never trade it. That's what surrender does. Nobody chooses surrender. Surrender chooses us. And we have a decision to make in that crossroads. Do we trust that that road less traveled, that narrow way that leads to life is one that we're ready for? Or do we want to stay on the broad road that's control and worldly acclaim and desires of the flesh that leads to death? I woke up with that first the other night, like the law of the the mindset on the flesh leads to death and the mindset on the spirit leads to life and peace, Romans 6, 8, and kind of going, wow, when I, I, in my own professional life, even since Cade, even since moving to New York city, even since adopting joy, I can still be prone to want the want to be set on the flesh because I want the temporary fix. I want the comfort and the coping mechanisms and the success or the strategies or just the man-made version of control and power. And God's going, you can do that, but it will make you miserable. Yeah, It'll almost cost you your relationships. It'll cost you your dreams. It'll cost you your vocation. Do you really want that? Mm. You're holding it so small. What if you open your grip and just go see what I can do? And God told me a year ago into um, quarantine after I had like a big ugly cry in the woods on a hike. He just, I said, what do you want me to know in this season? So mad, right? What do you want me to know? And he said, you don't have to make things happen. That was it. That was my word for 2020. You don't have to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not sure I buy that. <laughs> I feel like I have to make things happen. And still today on the other side of saying a surrendered yes out into the world, I am completely enveloped in God's grace and goodness and reminder that I'm not going to make things happen. I don't want to anymore. I just, I truly don't. I really do know what he has is more exciting. I feel like I'm having to do that every single day. <laughs> just like, God, you take over. You're, you're in control of my life. And yeah, I, that, that would have been a crazy, crazy element to be in. If I can use that word element, I'm probably using the wrong word there. But the whole situation that you found yourself in with Cade, I mean, how 
how did you learn to trust in God in that moment? Mm. Well, I was 26, so close to your age. Um, I had no option. I had no other option. See, the difference is, I think when we depend on God, it means that like there is no other source, period. And I grew up, I experienced, I accepted Christ at age five. I didn't, because I didn't want to burn. I felt like that was a very successful evangelistic strategy, (laughs) but I didn't, I didn't know the rescue of God, not as a five-year-old and even not growing up in the church. I mean, I think a lot of, even my faith was stabilized under a foundation of performance of, of the outside of the cup looking really clean. And the inside was kind of confused. Couldn't have real hard, honest conversations in my teen years about sexuality or, or marriage, or, you know, it's just like, it's just all like figure it out, but just do the right thing. Right. Um, I didn't. Um, so I felt like faith was very legalistic. There wasn't a real freedom in just being a daughter and being delighted in and trying to understand like what's honoring to God. Not it's more about like, what do we get to do as sons and daughters of God versus what, what, what do we have to stay away from and, and make the right decisions. And so I guess with Cade, it was, it was kind of like, all of a sudden I was like, my, my faith just expanded because people gave me books like intercessory prayer. And, you know, I grew up fundamental Baptist and we talked about the Holy spirit, like the Holy ghost, but it was kind of scary. And I just felt like I became like submerged by the Holy spirit in that season of trial and suffering. And he carried me and gave me a new life. It felt like a salvation moment again. It felt very much like a deliverance, like you're coming out of Egypt and it is time for you to walk into a new promise. And not only did that happen with Kate, it happened 10 years later when I had panic disorder in New York city, he keeps peeling back the onion, right? It happened again, eight years later when we said yes to joy, it was just kind of like this constant communion with God. And I think when we start to live lives that are that costly, we can't not trust God. It's not even like we have other options. The only other option, I guess, is fearful self-preservation and control, but that will make you probably quit your vocation in the long run anyways, because there's no life around it. Mm. Appreciate you sharing that. You do have two children with Down syndrome. Now, fun fact about me, I used to look after people with Down syndrome and I just absolutely Aww. adored them to pieces. Wow. <laughs> I, miss, I miss them today. Honestly. Wow. Now they taught me so many lessons. I mean, I could create How old were you? list. I was 24. Yeah. 24. Wow. Yeah. So it was a great experience. It was only last year, actually around December to February, I believe it was. It was, it was a short space of time, but my goodness, did they make an impact on my life? I mean, one of them, uh, I remember going over to his place. He, we connected instantly. And then all he wanted to do the entire time that I was there all day long was play video games. But at, when we were playing video games, he would interrupt me and ask me these like deep thought provoking questions. Like, why are we here on this earth? And then I would just be like, uh, I'm playing a game. I'm trying to focus on the game. Plus I got to answer this guy because if I didn't answer him, he would just continue to ask me <laughs> until I answered him. Uh, it was, it was a great time, but the question that, yeah, oh my goodness. I, I just, I adore them so much, but, <laughs> um, my question to you, Rebecca is what have your kids or what has been the, the greatest lessons that both your kids, Kate and Joy have taught you? Mm. You know, I think it's uh, 20 years with Kate and we're almost at three years with Joy. So she's eight. We got her when she was almost five from China. She'd been in an orphanage her whole life other than 
she was um, left at a police station at four months. So she was there. She was in a foster home for about an eight month stint, which is how we got matched to her. But then she had to go back to her, her orphanage till we got her. So we still got her at five, five years old with diapers, bottles in a room with 18 cribs. So it was definitely like, well, we don't know what we're stepping into here as far as attachment, as far as um, even developmentally. Um, praise God. She's been like just a joy. Literally her name um, is joy. But um, I would say what I've learned from both of them is that it's not a one-time decision. You know, any, anything we surrender to is not just the one big decision. It's the daily decision every day since. Mm -hmm. And that's the case for marriage. That's the case for parenting. That's the case for following Jesus. It's not a one-time decision. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a daily surrender of like my, what I would rather do right now is actually just, you know, go, go for a hike with a girlfriend, but instead my son's home all week because of COVID and they had to shut down his program for the week. Mm -hmm. And so he just peeked in here and he wants a quesadilla. So my point is, um, the daily surrender is so like when you can just embrace it, you get comfortable with the pain. Like it's not even, I don't even know how to say it. It's not even like it's pain. It's just like, it's just, life, you know? Um, I think of how much we inflict pain upon ourselves through stress and anxiety and trauma. And I really do believe it is rooted in fear and control. So what if we just go like, okay, God, I can't change it. It's like, you know, it's the, uh, it's the prayer of the serenity prayer, like help give me the grace to change what I can and accept what I can't and the wisdom to know the difference. Because in the end, you see what I can't see. There's a, there's a liturgy book called every moment. Holy. I love it. If Douglas McKelvey, I've talked about it on social media, but there's, it's full of liturgies, like changing diapers, gardening, you know, um, washing dishes, a first fire of the season, whatever, but there's one in there called the death of a dream, man, that'll rock you. Right. And there's, um, this idea of like this lament of going, God, all the dreams that I thought you gave me haven't happened. And what did I do wrong? And where were you? Or where are you? Or do you even care? And then he says in, in, in the middle of it, he says, you have allowed this though. And he mm -hmm. says, you apprehend a broader sweep with wiser eyes than mine. He's basically saying you've endorsed this because you see something that I cannot see. My mother-in-law, who's on her third year of chemo, she says to me in the middle of COVID, right? She says, nothing that we're experiencing right now has not been sifted through God's hand. Yeah. Like we think he's asleep at the wheel because we're suffering and God's going, actually, mm. actually, I am allowing the man-made structures to topple yeah. because I will not be mocked. I will not be kind of like a prop. I am the maker of the heavens and the earth. And that's sobering for the church. And it's actually really refreshing because then we get a big fat reminder when all goes loose, right? That we are not God and that whatever kingdoms we've created are not God's kingdoms. It's, it's back to the small and simple ways of, of, of the invisible life, the hidden place, the, the serving him in secret and just being still and knowing he's God like, man, wow. I don't know. I'm just so thankful for the revelation of that. And I'm thankful for the new life it's giving me as a result to go like, I could, I could kind of like, just take a hard pivot wherever you have me, Lord. I don't hold any of it. Um, I don't hold it like this with clenched fists anymore. I just, I'm like, okay, man, it's just light. It's just light. Mm -hmm. So we can be our own worst enemies, even at the best of times. It's amazing how that actually works 
yeah, it, for our detriment. <laughs> but then God says, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take you out of there. And one of my all time favorite poems is actually footprints in the sand. When you only see yeah. one, one set of footprints, it's actually God carrying us through the difficult yeah. times. But I think that he wants, a, he doesn't want us to be stuck. He wants us to grow, to thrive, to be the very best person that we can be for his glory, not, not for our glory or benefit. Although that's eventually what does happen. We, we become amazing people because of God. It's not because of yeah. us, it's not because of anything that we do. Um, <laughs> right. That's, that's what I've realized. Uh, and you know, I, I was reading a couple of your devotionals from your new book, a surrendered. Yes. Uh, you have 52 of them in there. I didn't get through all of them, sadly. That's okay. <laughs> which one of them was really, really challenging for you to write? Mm, I would say it was the one about, I forget what it's called, but the one where I had that kind of ugly cry of the Lord. And I just said, what is it I'm supposed to learn? Because it's a fresh lesson, right? It's one thing to tell a story 10 years old or five years old. But when it's like six months old, you're like, okay, work in progress over here, guys. No one's arrived. We are all on the journey together. Mm -hmm. And the muscle memory of control runs real deep in the brain. And thankfully, as I study neuroplasticity, because I'm all about mental health in the church with science and faith coming together, because you can't have one without the other. God is the master scientist and creator because he made our brains. So he obviously knows what they need to function properly. Mm -hmm. Um, But this idea that that in the last few months of going like, oh, with neuroplasticity, you can heal the brain. Like it can grow back and, and, and it can, there can be healing in those grooves that have been um, afflicted by trauma. And so I just even coming back to the Lord going, why do I have to hustle so much? Why do, why do I keep relapsing into hustle? Is, do I not believe that I'm worthy of love unless I earn it? And um, why? Why is that the case? And where did that begin? And do I need to forgive something or someone or myself or you like what, (laughs) what, and oh my goodness, just the, 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 the invitation to a greater healing, even through whatever the fresh trial looks like is for our good and his glory. And so that's a fresh story. That's why it's tender to me. Um, And because the Lord knows that I don't try to hide the work in progress, I think um, he makes room for those stories to continue to happen. I'm like, you know, I think there's enough weakness in me that I can boast about because I know his glory is on display when I have a fight with my husband and then I have to go repent of that or try to control the outcome of one of my kids because I don't want them to want them to kind of be in my image instead of God's image. And man, just the ability to say it out loud, <laughs> um, is very freeing because it, what it does is it releases power of that stronghold immediately by confessing it and just go, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't, I didn't even know how that happened. It happened quickly. And the goal is that we, that the conviction comes quicker, um, because the Lord corrects those he loves. And he's mm-hmm. saying, this is just so that your hearts can be clean and that we can be intimate. So you can fully run the race that I have set before you with endurance and purity of heart and broken and contrite spirit. And man, that's it. That's it. That's why I think we're going to keep having stories of struggle only because we're human and we're not fully restored on this side of eternity, but certainly his power will be made evident in our weakness. Mm. I love that freeing and peaceful feeling. 
<laughs> it's an amazing feeling. But Rebecca, I, I do have to be mindful of your time. I do have three quick final questions, if that's okay for you. Yes. Um, this one I have always wanted to ask you, but I'm curious to hear your response. What do you love the most about yourself and your story? Hmm. I like about myself that I'm teachable and that I'm curious and that I want to be a lifelong learner. So I never, uh, I like that that keeps me humble and that I never feel like I've arrived. I always have more questions for people and a lot to learn. And so I'm thankful that the Lord made me hungry for learning. And then what was the second question? What do you love the most about your story? Oh, my story. Um, well, just that I grew up a lifelong learner. I was named Becca book as a nickname when I was eight because we didn't have a TV until later in middle school. My parents were school teachers. They thought that'd be really smart to make me read all the time, (laughs) but I did love it. And readers make writers. And so I do believe that my vocational path now, even though I didn't plan to be a writer, it really happened after my panic attacks and God's rescue story at 10 years ago. So I was a late bloomer, if you will. Um, I love that words really matter. And my favorite thing to do even still today is to read a book on my front porch. Mm-hmm. Talk same, about old soul, right? <laughs> same here. That's I grew up pretty I much know. in a similar way. Like we weren't really allowed to watch movies or TV. So my mom got me in a book like all the time. She would read to us and then I would just go in be my own world. I just love it. Yeah. And it kind of, you are a unicorn. Just know that. <laughs> like you are set apart. <laughs> the fact that you and I love had it. that childhood <laughs> There's a lot about you and it says a lot about what God has for you. <laughs> Absolutely. It does, you know, and, and there's so many like lessons that I have learned from actual books from a young kid that translated into what I do today and who I am today as well. So yeah, I don't regret anything. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. What would you say Rebecca has been your most vulnerable moment in your life? Hmm. Honestly, that came pretty recent. Um, I read the book this spring called The Soul of Shame by Kurt Thompson. He is um, a dear friend, uh, a leading psychiatrist, but also such a devout follower of Jesus. And so he talks about the story we've told ourselves our whole lives from a place of shame. I didn't think I consciously had shame. I didn't have a big story to point to or a big secret that I was trying to keep under wraps. It was more just, but what I realized is that I've actually hustled because of shame, like just because that I'm shame essentially says we're not enough. And so we have to prove otherwise in all of our work and all of our striving and all of our, you know, um, and so that was something I needed this year. And I remember going to my husband and just being like, I'm broken. Like, I just didn't know that. I didn't really know. I mean, I knew I was, but I didn't really know it. And my husband is so gracious. He's like, we're all broken. You're just more aware of it. (laughs) And I was like, thank you, honey, because he's right. But I, in that moment was like, I am the worst of the worst. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was a transforming book. And that was a very vulnerable moment. And it was just like, honestly, a few months ago. So I swear you're you're setting me up to ask you more questions. There's so many things that I want to ask you, (laughs) but to be respectful, my final question for you, this is my all time favorite question. Uh, It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. I know we'll call it magic for sake of argument, but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? 
Oh man, that's, that's a, that's like a powerful question. I've never been asked anything remotely close to that, but I think when you look back over the span of your life, I pray that I point people to God and not myself. I pray that after our encounter, they just go directly to the source that there is no idolatry happening here. Um, but that it's like just connecting someone like kind of like a friend grabbing two hands and saying, you guys need to know each other because together you can do amazing things. And so I just sort of bring, I just pray that my life is a testimony without words sometimes, but also just when I do speak that I prompt and encourage people to just go find God, mm-hmm. go find him. He's looking for you and, um, just come home, you know? And, and I think if I can be with all my people, like the ones who've been there for the decades and the, and the, like the lifetime, what a grace to have relationship with that over like a long span of life. I pray for faithfulness in friendship and family as well. Mm. Where can people find you, Rebecca, learn more about you and, and get your new book? Yes. So just RebeccaLyons.com. It's spelled the Hebrew spelling because my parents made sure we all had Bible words. So Bible names. So mine is Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S.com. And you can get the, the new uh, surrendered. Yes. There. Um, I do a podcast with my husband called uh, rhythms for life. And we love doing that together. And um I think that's it. I think that's kind of everything. You can find me on socials just at Rebecca Lyons, the same spelling. So yeah, come find me and come join. Um, I have a an email community that I give, you know, encouragement to every week. If you want to just go to RebeccaLyons.com, you can go to the bottom and subscribe to that. Just whatever I can do to serve um, from a full well, not an empty place, but a full place. Um, I pray that the Lord gives me that strength from the overflow. I'll make sure people know where to find you, but thank you so much, Rebecca, for showing up today in a big way and for basically helping people to better surrender to their yes or God yes in their life. And I really do appreciate your story, everything that you're doing. And thank you so much for, for coming on the Storybox podcast today. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 